I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Well, round one is done and dusted. It's in the book and... Geez, as much as there were highs, there were plenty of lows as well for Supercoach players. Whatever way you look at it, we're about to break it down all before we get into our round two preview. Tommy, we mentioned the highs and the lows. Let's start with the highs. Let's get it off on a positive note before we bring us crashing back down to earth. What did you make of round one? Yeah, good day, Ryan. Uh, great for the footy to be back, but as you mentioned, it was a bit of a up and down sort of weekend. I think I finished on a low note overall, but We'll start on the high notes, as you said, and I suppose it started on Thursday night with Ryan Pappenhausen, electric play from the back for the Storm. Yeah, he was um, very, very good, and I think, obviously, as much as he uh, lit it up with his um, general field play, he scored two tries, but also there was questions over whether he would kick the goals. I think he kicked five from five, and a couple of those near the post, but a couple wider out, so uh, good signs for Pappenhausen owners in classic and draft, and I might just be one of those. A uh, couple of uh, other points of uh, note at the weekend, obviously James Tedesco, it's almost as if he sat back on Thursday night and watched the storm go round, and he thought to himself, well, if you can do that in terms of Pappenhausen, then he went out and just one-upped him uh, with that performance. Yeah, well, I was feeling kind of good about myself because I, I have Pappenhausen instead of Tedesco in my fullback slot. So when Pappenhausen posts 124, I'm, I'm on pretty good terms with myself. But then I uh, watch uh, Teddy rip apart Manly and get 150 or, or whatever he got. So, you know... Um, the decision to leave him out is starting to look a silly one already. Before we go too far ahead, how did you fare in round one uh, in terms of your classic score? Because I've seen some scores floating around and uh, posted mine uh, earlier in the week um, once lockout was lifted. So 12.06 for mine had me in the top 19%, which was not too great, but um, not the worst start. How'd you go? Oh, you did better than me, mate. Uh, only 11.02, I believe top 38%, I'm pretty sure. Uh, a bit disappointing, I must say. I thought I would start off a little bit better than that, but 
I saw we're going to the lows in a second and I think they really dragged me down. Yeah, we'll get into that as you say, but let's uh, carry on this beast, this moving train, because uh, also on Saturday afternoon at the SCG, we've already mentioned... James Tedesco there, but how about Angus Crichton? Um, he was involved in, I won't say everything for the Roosters, but his base work was uh, pretty handy. And then that late try, geez, that just uh, put the icing on the cake for Angus owners. Yeah, absolutely. I know we don't look too hard into trial form, but he was really good against Canberra in the, in the lead-up game before the season started. And then he really just hit the ground running on Saturday. But of course, um, as we'll probably mention later in the podcast, he's uh, he's gone for this week. It's a big loss. Mm. Yes, um, and I guess another one that uh, another player that would have had a lot of um, high percentage of um, captaincy would have been Nathan Cleary, and he turned out a hundred as well. So if you're playing with these big names like Cleary and like Tedesco, you would have um, fared pretty well in round one, I dare say. Yeah, absolutely. If you chose to put your captain on a uh, Teddy or Nathan Cleary, who would have been both really popular options. You're on really good terms with yourself. That's probably why I suppose I'm down lower than I'd like to be because I captain Ryan Madison. So, uh, but yeah, Nathan Cleary looking perfect and has uh, the Bulldogs this week as well. So it's a good chance to start off the year with a bang. Yeah, it's a great fixture uh, this weekend. And uh, for Cleary and the Panthers up against the Bulldogs, you'd think uh, given what we saw from Trent Barrett's side against Newcastle and James Tedesco, he's got the West Tigers. And we'll preview all of our round two uh, matchups and thoughts in a moment's time. But before we get too far ahead, let's talk about the lows. I think it's important that we do because we need to analyse where we went wrong and where we can improve before we do get into round two. For mine, I think the biggest disappointment has to be the performance of these cheapies in the centre wing slot. They just didn't perform and kind of just shows you when you put in the dollars into people like Daniel Tupu and Brett Morris. I mean, you're going to get something back, and we just didn't get anything back from uh, the likes of Remus Smith and Charlie Staines uh, at the weekend. Yeah, it was disappointing. There was a lot of uh, a lot of the high ownership cheapies really just failed to fire. I suppose, as you say, you get what you pay for with these people. But um, it would have been nice to see one or two of them, I suppose, fire a shot. But uh, left licking our wounds after round one. Yeah, another one I've got here on the list that I was pretty big on before the season started. Jake Avarillo. Um, yeah, he just didn't perform. I mean, you got to kind of give him a little bit of grace. It was a wet track up there in Newcastle, but they don't get any easier, or well, it doesn't get any easier for the Bulldogs uh, this weekend against the Panthers, as we've already touched on. Another one who I thought was pretty disappointing and who I had big hopes for before the season started was Moses Leota. He just didn't have the minutes that I thought he would have got in James Tarmow's uh, absence. Spencer Linear, he really picked that up and picked it up quite well. So he's another one on this, I guess, um, list of... Ah, well, we thought they'd go better. Christian Welch, perhaps another one, but geez, that score of 52, that could have been uh, closer to 80 if he could have just hung onto that ball over the line. I don't know how he didn't score that try on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, it was painful for owners of Welch, for sure. Another another painful thing on Thursday night was uh, Damian Cook's performance. I thought 36. Mm. I was pretty vocal all preseason about how I thought he was the best hooker in the game for Supercoach. He still may turn out to be uh, the best in the game, but that was a really poor start from him. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not the easiest fixture uh, on on the fixture list, on, on the draw going down to Melbourne in round one, but um, even just to score, I think he scored 36 or, you know, yes, it was 36. under 40. Yeah, just really, really surprising because you thought, you would have thought that he would have got through a little bit more work than that and um, given the rule changes with the six again. We saw it last year. He didn't have... He didn't take to the, the rules like uh, like a duck to water like we thought he would have, but um, I don't know. Got a good fixture this week against Manly. We'll get into that in a moment as well. 
Uh, after the round ended, we put it up on our Instagram story, some talking points, and um, our fans, our followers, they were quick to flood our DMs with plenty of these. And uh, I guess the main of these was the front row forwards justifying their price tags, the likes of Clemmer, Safedi, and Takiahau all scoring really well in round one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Clemmer and Saifidi especially, that whole Newcastle pack was just absolutely on fire the other night. They did only play the Bulldogs, so maybe you take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but still really good signs there. Clemmer with 82, I think Saifidi got 120, but he did score two tries, so perhaps tread with caution there. Yeah, I think if you drill this down, even Takiahau um, didn't play many minutes and he contributed uh, in Angus's try as well, plus his goal kicking was slightly off. I think he kicked, I don't know, was it two from four? He missed a couple at least, I know that. Uh, one that we forgot to mention here, and again, I don't want to bang the drum too much, but Jaden Braley, I thought he was phenomenal for the Knights. We were pretty confident that he would go well, um, and yeah, he turned out 86 points against the Doggies as well, so he looks uh, a good prospect uh, to start the new season. Yeah, exactly right. There's nothing really to suggest either that his minutes will drop after um, his round one performance, so he looks to be a really smooth sailing head for Braley. Yeah, let's uh, keep hoping and uh, wishing Braley well. Obviously, he's only one game back from an ACL injury, so uh, hopefully he can only get better. You mentioned minutes uh, staying consistent there. One man who we can't say that about was Jason Tamalolo. You've um, been a big fan. You actually, I think you started the year with Tamalolo in your classic team. Uh, you wanted him in draft as well. I was a little bit surprised and I knew his minutes would drop, but I didn't know they'd drop this much. Yeah, it was really surprising, wasn't it? I was watching the game on Saturday night, just uh, really wondering what, what Todd Payton was doing. Um, I suppose leaving him and other key forward in Josh McGuire on the bench for so long, but Tamalolo especially, I suppose we've known him as a workhorse the past four or five seasons. But um, look, Peyton has a plan for him this year to cut his minutes down and hopefully increase his, the longevity of his career. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I sat back like almost everyone else who was watching that game on Saturday night and was left scratching my uh, very fastly balding head. Um, couldn't believe what I was watching, really, and it's it's hard. I mean, I know he's a dominant player in a very testing position there at front row, but or at lock even, whatever way you want to look at it, the middle third but um, I don't know how a first-up NRL coach or a coach in his first game of NRL as a head coach, uh, or at least on a full-time basis, that is, can sit back and, and plan three or four years in advance. And I just I don't know if it's confidence in his job or borderline stupidity. I don't know. I just think it's, it's a results-driven business for mine and how you can justify having a fair whack of your salary cap and your marquee man on the bench for such a long period of time in a game where you're getting rolled – uh, meanwhile, like if you, if they're up by 20, it's a different story. Give him a rest. But I don't know. I, I personally just think that it'll be three or four weeks and something's got to give up there at the Cowboys. And I don't think it'll be uh, Tamalolo showing the door. So we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, it's a very brave decision from a coach in his uh, first game at the club. That's absolutely correct. And I suppose I think the reason why it may not work is that the rest of the Cowboys pack, it isn't really that strong anymore. He is like the heart and soul of that pack. They need him out there out there for as long as he can. And when he's off the field, they just don't really have anyone to fill the void. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. It could be... And what he said in the uh, post-match also was interesting. He gave Tamalo a bit of a, a rev up about his, I suppose, laziness in the middle of the field. Um, mm. So that was also brave, but... That'll be interesting to see whether it has a positive or negative impact uh, for JT. I was at the Sydney Cricket Ground on Saturday afternoon, and uh, as soon as that Roosters game wrapped up, they pretty much kicked off uh, at Penrith. So I didn't get a chance to see the start of the game. Uh, but 
I mean, they were. I think they were in the contest for at least. Well, when I say in the contest, the scoreline hadn't blown out that far by half time. I don't think from memory. I think it might have been twelve nil or two tries to nil at half time. But yeah, I think. I don't know. I'm just thinking bigger picture here. But do you think that the game had already gotten away from the Cowboys and Peyton thinks, all right, well we'll hold back. Tamalolo this week and we've got a winnable game at home in round two against the Dragons are we thinking that that's the way that he's gone about it? It's possible yeah I also think a big factor to consider from that game was just how little ball the Cowboys had and every time they had the ball they just knocked on like Tamalolo didn't really have a chance to get into the game uh, hence why he only scored 36 so look I don't think he can go much he couldn't go any worse this week uh, home to the Dragons I might talk about it a little more later, but I reckon there could be a decent response from Tom Lolo. Yeah. I mean, if you're a betting man, which I know you are, you're a bloody degenerate, you'd be um, <laughs> putting your money on Tom Lolo getting three figures this week because, again, you could just see him just bouncing back and and firing a shot back at his coach in the right way, of course. But anyway, we'll see how that plays out uh, this weekend. You've already mentioned Damien Cook a little bit, but I want to mention Latrell Mitchell. Um, again, focusing on... Someone who turned out a great performance and, you know, Latrell at fullback at just gaining momentum for Souths and he looks a real weapon in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Souths were not impressive at all really the other night, um, but he was a clear shining light. He was arguably, other than Pappenhausen, possibly the second best player on the field. Um, Latrell Mitchell, he just did everything for Souths and look, if you've picked him up before now, your decision is very much justified. Yeah, he's a real pod there, isn't he? Because... For mine, I thought it was a must that you had Teddy, and I know that kind of contradicts things that we said, um, you know, late February or um, even earlier in February, late January, when we kind of thought we could play away from Tedesco. I crunched the numbers and I thought that that couldn't be the case. But to those, yeah, who are running with Paps and and Latrell or um, or Teddy and Latrell, if even you went that way, you found some value there because he was at a cut price compared to the other two. And as soon as Tommy Turnbow went down, you had to kind of make a decision. So those who have gone with Latrell, full credit to you, and um, a good fixture again this weekend against Manly that we'll get into in just a moment's time. He could score another uh, century. So uh, sit back, we'll, we'll wait on with interest at that one. But let's get into round two, enough of round one. That's in the books now, and we can't change that. It all gets underway on Thursday night. Cracker game, this one. Uh, Parramatta up against the Melbourne Storm at Bank West. Hopefully this rain can uh, stay away so we can see a game that's not too affected by a wet ball. Yeah, look, looking at the forecast, I think almost every game this week is going to be impacted by rain, which is disappointing for everyone's super coaches, but I suppose everyone's in the same boat there. Um, it's hard to not tip the Melbourne Storm here, but from, for the Eels, I'm interested to see, I suppose, how Ryan Madison, Sean Lane go. Uh, they're playing on different sides to last year, which I found really interesting. Yeah, and I think if there's going to be a team that can exploit that in defence, I think, you know, after that wash-up from that game against the Broncos, everyone spoke about the change of sides for uh, the halves and the back rowers purely on their attack about how they ran lines, how they dropped the ball, how it seemed clunky. But if there's going to be a team to test out this, these new edge combinations in defence, it is the Melbourne Storm. And uh, I think you can, uh, I wouldn't say pencil in Ryan Pappenhausen for a try, but, I mean, Munster and, and Pappenhausen will be throwing plenty of traffic at Dylan Brown and Sean Lane on uh, that right defensive edge for Parramatta. No real team changes to speak of here. Murata Niakore comes back in, but looking at this Eels bench, I think there was one clear standout last week. Isaiah Papali'i. Jeez, wasn't he good off the bench? Yeah, absolutely, and a real surprise back. I don't think anyone really spoke about Papali'i in their sort of season previews or, or anywhere where I was listening, but um, no, he was massive, uh, massive off the bench. Uh, I don't know if you pick him up or not, really, considering he's probably going to the bench or 
be on the bench all season, but he was definitely a surprise packet. Yeah, and we'll kind of dive into the team changes, uh, well, our team changes for Classic at least um, towards the end of this, but I did do a little bit of looking around at the 2RF slot given Angus Crichton's uh, absence this week with the one-week suspension, and geez, uh Papali'i, I think he caught the eye. Anyway, we'll get into that a little bit later. Another man off the bench who caught the eye for mine, in the, uh, for Melbourne at least, was Tui Kamakamitha. I thought he was really good and maybe took even uh, some minutes away from a sofa Solomona that we might not have expected to go that way. No, exactly right. And I, I know that uh, Kamakamitha is pretty held in high regard down at Melbourne. I think he's in their leadership program. I, I think half the team's in that leadership group, but uh He's one of the men in there, and he's only, I suppose, not been at the club for that long. So that shows that I suppose Bellamy has faith in him, and he looks to have a spot in the 17 for most of the year, you'd think. Yeah, he does, and I think, um, you know, obviously uh, not wishing injury upon anyone, but if, uh, I guess, Bromwich or Welch or uh, Nass is to go down in that middle third, they've got a pretty handy replacement there waiting in the wings in Kamakamitha. The next game uh, on Friday night, the 6 p.m. game, if ever a game screamed 6pm, on paper at least, it is the Warriors up against the Knights. Uh, again, I thought the Warriors were really impressive last week against the Titans. The Knights, they did what they had to do against uh, a pretty average Bulldog side, but this one bodes really well for mine on paper. I think this will be a real tight contest. Yeah, absolutely. Huge game, I think, uh, forward pack of both teams. Uh, the Warriors were great last week, as you said, and then the Knights just completely dominated the Bulldogs up front. So really interested to see how those two full packs go at it. Uh, Ewan Aiken is probably the big story out of this one. He's gone for eight to ten weeks with an ankle sprain. Yeah, bad news for the Warriors. I guess some good news, though, for the Knights. Uh, Kurt Mann and Bradman Best have both been named. Uh, we thought that they'd miss at least a month of footy, each of them, but um, good to see, at least for Knights fans, that these two will take their place. Connor Watson named again at 13 and Sawaso Su on the bench. Uh, that's changed in the moments before kickoff last week and it threw some super coach teams into disarray. They were trading Watson out and looking to get someone else in at that backup six or nine slot. But yeah, I don't know if it's going to go that way again, but I thought Connor Watson was pretty handy late on a try last weekend. He looked good. Yeah, absolutely. Like the rest of the night's pack, he just, he just looked great. Um, the Kurt Mann uh, naming of him is surprising. I thought he was out to round six or round eight, but uh, obviously they've got their wires crossed there, but it's they're looking to name a pretty strong team this week, that's for sure, Newcastle. Yeah, they thought Mann, I guess the initial diagnosis was at least that he had a similar injury to Harry Grant and uh, talked this week that he's going to be out until at least round four. So that would be about a six-week injury from when that happened. Um, Phoenix Crossland, uh, interestingly, though, included on the Knights reserve, so... If they are unsure about Mann, they've got a backup number six, a ready-made replacement in Crossland, uh, waiting in the wings there as well. Uh, not really other too much team news looking here, but uh, Jack Murchie has been named for the Warriors uh, in their extended bench as well as he looks to work his way back from an injury. Jeez, uh, when, when David Fafita signed that contract over the summer or leading into uh, the new season, there'd be one game that everyone was looking forward to, and I think it's this one, the Titans and the Broncos on Friday night on the Gold Coast. Uh, hopefully we can get a dry track on the Goldie. If we can't get one in Sydney this weekend, if a game deserves a dry track, it is this one. The little brother versus the big brother, but I don't know who's who anymore because you look at these two teams and the Titans will start, uh, I think, deserved favourites in this one. Yeah, they will, that's for sure. Their foot pack probably speaks for themselves. They're, they deserve favouritism purely on that, but... Well, they were a little bit disappointing last week. I know the Warriors are a pretty decent side, but I think they would have been a little bit disappointed, the Titans, with how they attacked. Uh, Brisbane were good for the first half, and then I suppose 
just got found out by Parramatta in the second half. I think this will be a really good game. Both teams will be looking to finally uh, get a win this season. Um, yeah, I think one of the one of the more interesting games of the round. What do you make of the big signings uh, for Fida and Fa'asul Maliawi against the Warriors? I thought that they were maybe not overwhelmed by the, the occasion or the hype around them, but they certainly weren't at their best. And I guess that's a good thing for Titans fans. You don't want your players playing their best at round one and you want them building into these new systems and new structures and no better chance to step up than against um, the biggest rivals this weekend. Yeah, exactly right. I think they were just a bit nullified by the Warriors pack last week. They were pretty dominant uh, through the middle there. The Broncos pack probably doesn't, I suppose strike fear into the opponents as much as the Warriors does. So this is a good opportunity for them to really announce themselves as Gold Coast Titan stars. For the Broncos, yeah. I mean, they got off to a great start. They flew out to a 16-0 lead. Just watching the Broncos, though, you always kind of... I tipped the Eels, I think, like 99.9% of the country would have. But you just were never confident that the Eels were done. Like, I just thought that, you know, they just had to get some some footy back in their hands and settle down a bit, and sure enough that they came over the top of them. But some good signs for the Broncos. I thought Pangai Jr. looked mature in his performance. Um, played considerably less minutes than I thought he would, but he still scored about 80 super coach points in good time. Turpin was good. Uh, Croft was handy enough. Milford looked thin, and he looked lean and fast, so some good signs there. And Xavier Coates, well, he's made a miraculous recovery. We dead had him in a wheelchair six days ago, and he's back, and he's named on the wing for the Broncos. So that's a big boost for those guys. Yeah, they were really good last week. I know they ended up losing, but I think, honestly, Kevin Walters would have just been happy with that first 40 minutes. The amount of energy they showed, they are pretty good in defence. Uh, Milford looked really good, probably the best he's looked for four or five seasons. Uh, and Matt Lodge looked pretty good, but then he got injured, which which was a big loss. I think they lost a lot of go for when he went off. He was he's probably their leader up front, so that was a big factor in that game as well. So look, I'm probably going to tip the Titans here, but uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, you look at where the where are the points coming from for the Broncos, and yeah, I think it's a handy inclusion that Coates will play, or at least we think he will. And Milford, you've already mentioned him. Jermaine Asako, I thought he looked the leanest that he's looked in his NRL career to this point. So some good signs for the Broncos. Um, Obviously, Brian Kelly is out for the Titans. Matt Lodge is out for the Broncos. So a couple of injuries there in that one. Saturday afternoon, the Bulldogs and the Panthers. We've already touched on this one a little bit. On paper, it looks a lopsided uh, affair in waiting. And um, last year's grand finalists up against one of the wooden spoon contenders of 2020. Bankwest Stadium, the venue... How do you see this one playing out? Oh, it's hard not to uh, think Panthers 13 plus. Maybe the wet weather will save the doggies a bit here. Uh, but the dogs just looked poor last week. I, I think a lot of people close to kickoff were starting to swing around and think the dogs were going to pull an upset over Newcastle, but they were just completely outplayed. Penrith picked up when they left off last year with just high energy great defence. Like, it's impossible really to tip against the Panthers, isn't it? Yeah, I won't be tipping against them. I think some shining lights on an otherwise dark evening for the doggies last weekend. I thought Kyle Flanagan was really good. Flanagan, for someone who was shown the door by one of the glamour clubs in the Sydney Roosters, he just you know got on with the job and came out really strong, laid on a couple of tries uh, to Dallin Watini Zalesniak, and we saw that how much Flano loved that left-to-right big cutout pass to Manu or Morris last year. So that looks like a good combination in waiting uh, Flanagan to whoever is on that right side. Nick Cottridge, another new signing for the Dogs. He was far from his best, but still managed to 
I think uh, I haven't seen the updates, but at the time I checked, he was around 62 or 64 points, uh, super coach points, that is. So um, interesting to see here as well that Raymond Fatala Marino is back in the starting side. And yeah, I mean, I was a, absolutely uh, mind boggling to think that he was coming off the bench last week, but um, good things coming for the Bulldogs and Fatala Marino back in this lineup as well. The Panthers, though, they should be too strong. Looking at this, we've already mentioned Leota and his minutes and. I think the big one for mine was Appy Coruscant. I think he only played a little bit more than half an hour last weekend against the Cowboys. So were you shocked by that? Yeah, a bit. But um, at the same time, I think whenever you just see a hooker on the bench, I don't know. I just don't. I try to avoid hookers at all costs if they're not going to play eighty. Um, but it was shocking to see how few minutes he did play. Maybe clear is just, I suppose, easing him into the season. It's only round one. It's a twenty-five week comp. But yeah, it was a bit a uh, bit strange to see, but. Look, they just look way too good here. A lot of their, their forwards were just monster the doggies. I think Fisher-Harris was massive last week. Even Kurt Capewell looked really good. So pretty keen the Panthers by a decent margin. The Matt Burton Cup, the first edition, <laughs> and it won't be the last, I dare say. With Trent Barrett Cup. Some, yeah, well, it's the Trent Barrett Cup, and uh, I think there'll be some, some news swirling around Matt Burton in the days after uh, this one if uh, we want to go down that route. Uh, the Sea Eagles and the Rabbitohs, 5.30pm at Brookie. Jeez, uh, if last week's performance is anything to go by, you mentioned likely a big win there to the Panthers. You'd think that Souths would just be winning and, and winning very well against the Sea Eagles. Although the Souths, they did look a little bit clunky uh, at times last weekend against the Storm. A much better team um, they were facing last week compared to this week. But what do you want to see better from Rabbitohs this week against Manly? Uh, well, from a super coach point of view, Damien Cook has to deliver for me. Um, pretty heavily invested in him because I've got him in my draft comp and also classic. So I do want to see a lot more from him at a dummy half. I think they just need to relax from a general point of view, not super coach speaking, but just, just need to relax. They had a lot of chances last week. They just looked too frantic. They'll get a lot more chances this week against Manly, who were pretty average last week, it's got to be said. So, look, I think if they just calm down, Walker and Luttrell will get on top, and they should be much too strong. Jeez, I look at the team list here for these two, and I really think, and how good's hindsight? It's 2020, but, I mean, um, I think I was on the eve of round one, and I traded out both Andrew Davey and Kayon Kalong-Matangi for their counterparts in Jajewski and Host. And it's a week later, and um, the two I put in are out the back door, and Davey and um, Keon are starting here. So probably, I mean, we, we started reflecting on round one at the start of this uh, podcast here with our highs and lows, but um, yeah, that's that's probably my lowest point, I think, um, that trade or those trades that I made to, to bring in these two, but we're not to know. So we live and learn, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's caused some flow-on effects this week in terms of who I've picked up and who I've dropped, but... Jeez, it's disappointing. What about Cameron Murray, Tommy? Uh, the role that he played last week with Jairo in the team, but the, also the role of Benji Marshall. I thought that was, uh, I don't know, they're obviously trying to add a new point to their attack, but do they need that when they've got the likes of Reynolds and, and Walker and Latrell out the back as well? Do they need that third set of hands or fourth set of hands on the ball, do you think? I didn't think so. Like, he didn't play badly by any stretch. He played pretty well, but... Do you need five playmakers on the field? Because Latrell likes to get involved. Cody Walker gets a lot of touches. Reynolds is a great organiser. And then Cook also is very involved as well. Why do you need Benji on the field as well? Like, I don't know. Well, even, even Cameron Murray's a decent ball player. Like, if he yeah. if he had to step in and play that Radley sort of, you know, distribution role, 
they don't need two of them, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not Wayne Bennett, so well, yeah, Wayne probably yeah. has more idea than us, but it does it does seem probably. strange. I don't know why a team like South would need a fourteen like Benji Marshall, but look I they should take care of Manly. I think, speaking of 14s, Cade Cust is an interesting uh, inclusion on the bench. Yeah, he scored a hat-trick for Blacktown against uh, Joseph Sawali and Sam Walker and the North Sydney Bears last Sunday. And, geez, if ever there was a time to make a statement, how about that? Rubbing it into the face of Des Hasler. Your team just gets pumped by 40, and then yeah, the guy who you've pretty much dropped in theory uh, comes out and scores a hat-trick. Not to uh, know that, of course, from Cade Cust. Not a prolific try-scorer, but... Uh, Anyway, Josh Schuster Josh again Schuster. On, yeah. Yeah, on the reserves. Uh, interesting. Will he get a late start, you think? Maybe. Like, uh, Lachlan Croker wasn't too impressive, you've got to be honest, last week. Um, why not just throw someone in, see how they go? I, I don't know. That's what I'd do if I was Desi. Yeah, I'm just having a look at this team, and you think that, I don't know, they've only got one uh, edge back row on the bench, and I, don't, I can't see Davey playing 80 minutes. So I don't know if they can drop Jozefski and bring Schuster in and run both Cust and Schuster. But anyway, we'll wait and see. Good one for the Knights. So Liam Knight on the extended bench. He probably doesn't make the 17 this week, but uh, blokes like Mark Nichols and Patrick Mago would be looking over their shoulder at Liam Knight, I dare say. Josh Mansour, um, he's been dropped as well. Tommy Jackson Paulo is back. Probably not too surprising there, to be honest. Uh, I don't know. He was ordinary the other night, Mansour. Like, I'm one of his biggest fans. I have been his whole career, but he did play pretty poor the other the other night. But I'm surprised to see him after one game. Uh, pretty cutthroat there from Bennett. But, look, I don't know. Maybe they'll chop and change all year, but it's, it's pretty bad signs for Joshy. Yeah, maybe just sending a message there that, you know, you are only one game into your Rabbitohs career here. You've got to work hard. Next up, the Cowboys and the Dragons. They ran out Super Saturday up there in Townsville. Already touched on this one a little bit. The Cowboys, they were pretty, well, I don't want to say poor or underwhelming. They probably got what they deserved against the Red Hot Panthers side, but uh, they meet uh, the Dragons here. This is a winnable game. This is a game that if the Cowboys do want to be playing top eight footy, they'll be hoping to get the two points here. Uh, Teamless, it looks a relatively unchanged team for the Cowboys, I think. The Dragons, they welcome back Corey Norman, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this goes. Uh, we've already spoken of Tamalolo's minutes, but Josh McGuire on the bench as well. He's an Origin player, Tommy, and he, he's just too good to be playing half an hour as well. You'd think. Yeah, I just, I just don't get the Cowboys. Uh, I don't get their team. I don't understand why they have Granville, Jensen, and Cotter on the bench. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then they're all quite small. And then you have Tamalolo still only playing fifty-five. Uh, it it just seems a weird lineup. But um, look, I, I'm going to probably go with the Dragons here. Just because I understand their team was more. Um, I thought they were okay against the Sharks. They, it was a weird, wet game, but there was more signs of life there. Maybe Corey Norman coming back is a good sign. Matt Dufty looked pretty good. So um, it'll look interesting game. I think both will be very desperate to win. You mentioned before that the uh, Panthers-Bulldogs game could be known as the Matt Burton Cup. This one may be the Francis Molo Cup. He signed a $1.5 million deal with the Dragons today, a three-year deal, but... That looks a little bit too much uh, money in, in the front row when you've got a bloke like um, Alvaro and Farmer who you think they would do a similar job. But anyway, that's um, that's a problem for next year. Sunday afternoon footy gets underway in uh, the James Tedesco Cup. The West Tigers up against the Sydney Roosters at Campbelltown Sports Stadium. I don't know if Teddy's been back to Campbelltown since he uh, left the Tigers. I dare say he probably would have been. But um, yeah, we look at one-way traffic and... Geez, uh, you can't see anything here but a Roosters win for mine. 
Yeah, look, probably not. Uh, the Tigers Tigers played okay in the first half against Canberra. Um, they just seemed to lose their way in the second half. A lot of errors. Canberra probably played a bit better as well. But, uh, look, Roosters were great last week, really clinical. I think they should be getting the job done. Tedesco, can we bank on him getting another triple-figure score? <laughs> Jeez, I'll tell you what, you'd be a brave man if you went against Teddy getting 100 this week because we've tipped the Tigers to run bottom four, if not the bottom of that bottom four. And they probably weren't as bad as I thought they would be, to be honest, against the Raiders. I think they hung in and they you know, dug their heels in for a little bit. But class just really shone through at the back end. And obviously some question marks over their fitness or whether they can compete for the for the full 80. And if anyone's going to test them for, well, from the first whistle to the last, it will be Trent Robinson's Roosters uh, team lists here. Again, probably not too many shocks or surprises. Adam Dewey's back. I don't know if that helps him too much. And Angus Crichton is out, as we say. Freddie Lussick comes in for Jake Friend, who obviously suffered that Head knock uh, that sees Drew Hutchinson on the bench as well in uh, jersey number 14. Sam Walker in jersey 20. There were some rumours that he was going to get that, that bench spot, and that would have been interesting given uh, the debate over Sawali's pending debut. We will, could have seen another one in Sam Walker. Yeah, well, I suppose we still could. Uh, it's probably not going to happen this early in the year, but um, interesting news for Sawali, uh, I should say. Do you think when he actually is named, do you think he'll be a very popular pickup for Classic? Yeah, well, I started the year with him just... Uh, in that centre wing slot, sort of thinking that uh, he'd get the exemption. Wouldn't it be absolute fucking banter from Robertson and the Roosters if they'd name him for a debut against South next week? <laughs> that would just. There's no way he will. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way, but geez, imagine the hype. I mean, he's already got enough hype on him, this kid, but that would just be. Uh, I think it was uh, Matty Russell or Andrew Voss said it would just be the. Um, the biggest, most famous chapter in that book of feuds. And rounding out the last of uh, the games here in round two, the Sharks up against the Raiders down there in Cogra. And the Sharks, I know they were only up against the Dragons, but I thought they were okay. They probably played like that side that would make the top eight or finish around you know eighth to tenth to eleventh. They weren't too impressive. They lose Jesse Ramian here. Matt Moylan, I thought, was pretty decent in his comeback from injury. And Chad Townsend, geez, didn't he step up uh, in the absence of Sean Johnson? We sort of tipped this to happen uh, with Chad, and he scored over 60 super coach points. So we'll put that down as a little win. Yeah, I thought the Sharks were pretty good last week. I know, like we said, only beat the Dragons, but it was a wet night. They really just did what the Sharks do. They dug in and uh, got the win. I think it'd probably be a similar game here. It's meant to be wet again. It's at Cogra. Probably be a pretty tight game. I think for uh, for Canberra, moving on to them, Hudson Young was a shining light last week, replacing John Bateman uh, this year. I think Corey Herrera Naira was expected to, but then obviously with his indiscretions, it's fallen to Hudson Young, and he he picked it up and scored 80 in Supercoach. All of that in mind, Tommy, we'll wrap it up there because we are uh, getting on a little bit here, but uh, all of those fixtures and all of those talking points in mind, tell us uh, the trades that you've made to your classic team this week and uh, anyone in your draft comps that you're looking at on the waiver wire heading into round two. Yeah, in classic, uh, surprising I've done this. I didn't expect myself to do this in round two, but I actually was quite impressed by some Tigers players on Sunday. Uh, Dane Laurie, I really was quite taken by him. He only scored 47, but Tigers didn't have a lot of chances. So, um, look, I've looked to put him in. I've I've sold uh, Will Hopawati. I only given him one shot, but uh, he's gone. Saved a bit of money there as well. And with that extra cash, I've, uh, I've brought in Joe Offer and Gowie uh, to cover my Matt Lodge injury. 
yeah, I've got Lodge out the back door as well, and not so much because I was disappointed by well, from what I saw from Lodge, but I mean, we picked him up thinking that he was a cheap price and that he'd play a lot of minutes, and for mine, this is his third injury in the past 12 months or a little bit more than 12 months now, going back to the last preseason before that, but I don't know if there's any correlation there between ACLs and hamstrings to follow it, and I guess favouring one side opposed to another, but it just doesn't look good for Matt Lodge for mine. I know we picked him up, and we, I think we both picked him up purely at that price and thinking that he'd play 55, 60 plus minutes every week, so... Disappointing to, I guess, burn a trade in round two. Uh, I've brought in Spencer Leniu, who I thought was good. And again, I guess eating a little bit of um, humble pie or scraping the egg off my face here with uh, Moses Leota. We tipped up Moses as, uh, I guess, the main man to replace James Tarmow. That doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Although, I don't know, Panthers, they ran about seven or eight forwards in that rotation last week. However long that lasts, we don't know. So Spencer comes in. Frees up about $90,000, and of course, while Lodge is out, Spencer will keep building that price even more. So uh, I guess one eye on the now and one eye on the weeks to come. Jacob Host, another one who makes way here. I brought in Isaiah Papali'i, kind of hinted at it before, but I thought that he was really good for the Eels in that uh, win over the Broncos. Again, I don't know if this is almost a panic trade. Um, Host had to go for certain, and I think if Crichton wasn't suspended this week, then obviously I wouldn't have made the trade. But um, I just think, you know, Papali'i had a 64-point score in 56 minutes, and that was 54 points in base. So pretty solid numbers there, uh, made for good reading. And I guess uh, will contribute to hopefully more money being made uh, in terms of rising his value, but also uh, some points being scored as well. On the bench, I'm sticking with Jaden Braley, uh, Jordan Ricky. I thought he was okay, Ricky. I think, I don't know, he was a bit of hype about him and didn't impress too much. And obviously, uh, Ryan Pappenhausen. Tell me, what do you want to see in round two? A um, couple of little new segments, if we want to call that, to round out this podcast. But what do you want to see in round two here uh, from your side or just um, from a player that you've got your eye on? Uh, look, it's probably all hinging on uh, Damien Cook for me uh, from both classic and draft uh, point of view. I really just need to see him return to some sort of form. He's 36, really surprised me last week. But uh, against Manly this week, there's no real better chance to, I suppose, come back to life. So I'm looking for at least 65 from him, hopefully. Yeah, that'd be good. I think uh, when I was making the notes for this uh, little run sheet, I had Cook down here as well. I'd love to see him on the front foot this week, and I think that starts um, up front. Obviously, uh, Burgess was injured. Uh, Host was far from his best. So Souths forwards to dominate Manly, you'd think, or you'd hope so for Cook. And that comes off the back of Arrow and Murray finding their front and getting some quick play the balls as well. Murray, I don't think he was at his best either, but I don't know, round one against um, the Premiers from last year and maybe the Premiers again, never an easy task. We've also got here looking at Melbourne and particularly looking at my team here with Remus Smith uh, in this centre wing slot. Remus to score 32 without any real attacking stats I thought was pretty handy, but I want to see Jerome Hughes step up and command more of the ball. Um, obviously, I can't have it both ways with Pappenhausen as well in, in this team, but I think if if uh, Remus is to make some money and to prove his worth in this Storm team, that that comes off Jerome Hughes. So, yeah, I don't know. If Hughesy wants to outcall Munster, I'd be really appreciative this weekend. Bold predictions, Tommy, before we wrap it up here. We can hear the music um, giving us the hurry up in the background. It's like the Oscars when they just go on and on and they fucking have to get them off the stage. Mine, I've gone with David Fafita 
and Damian Cook to both score 100-plus points. I think they both have a point to prove this week. So David Fafita and Damian Cook to both score a century this week for mine. Uh, mine, like, I don't know if this is as bold as he wanted to be. It might be obvious, but Jason Tamuolo to fight back this week. I reckon he can score a try and he'll score at least 80 points on Supercoach. Wow. Yeah, I think... Um, Jeez, in his 15 minutes that he might play Tamalolo, if he's scoring a try and getting 80 Supercoach points, you'd be pretty happy with that. No, we joke, of course, and hopefully um, for Tamalolo owners and I guess for the Cowboys themselves, we can see uh, JT, the current JT, make his mark in, uh, up there for the Cowboys. Tommy, thank you very much. As I say, we've gone on and on here. We're pushing 40-plus minutes, but uh, thanks for your time and obviously uh, good luck for the weekend coming. Uh, he's hoping we can improve on our current scores and, I guess, um, creep up a little bit on the overall rankings as well. Absolutely, mate. Good luck to everyone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.